And this is different than anything, any clinic around. Workouts that are tailored for her, and that really makes a difference. Really personal. I've gotten way more mobile, stronger, flexible. Just everything just improves me to the next level. Welcome to the On Cue Performance Therapy Podcast, where we push sports performance and physical therapy to its apex. We change the game by bringing together the brightest minds in the field to offer best practices and question how things are done today. I'm your host, Mike Quintins, physical therapist and expert in sports orthopedics. I'm living my dream and open a clinic that unites all elements of sports medicine under one roof to drive recovery and performance outcomes. Happening in Performance Therapy Nation, this is Mike Quintins, your host of the On Cue Performance Therapy Podcast. I'd like to thank everybody for, you know, the listeners, for the, for the, the number of views, uh, the number of, of listeners has gone through the roof, uh, five stars across the board. So um, it's nice to see that the time that we're putting into this, myself and, uh, and Iz and Shelly, that we're getting the, the, you know, the notoriety and the attention, but uh, more importantly, that... Uh, the viewers and subscribers are getting uh, the uh, the attention they deserve, but also the material and content that they want. So let, let's keep this going. Today we're getting into uh, trends that we're seeing in the clinic uh, in March of 2021 as COVID is starting to, it seems like at least, uh, slow down a little bit. We have a lot more people vaccinated and that number is, is only increasing as Johnson & Johnson vaccine as that vaccination is starting to uh, starting to get released to the public, so right now we got Pfizer, uh, Moderna. That's been the most common the last couple months, and now we have Johnson and Johnson out. So, uh, and that's only one dose. So, uh, we're definitely seeing some trends in the right directions in terms of the number of people vaccinated. The number of cases are down across all the states, I believe. Uh, there may be some trends differing in, in maybe Florida with uh, some of the. Uh, spring breakers, but nonetheless, uh, we're seeing across the board that uh, we're starting that we're getting less positive cases, and sports are coming back. Uh, people are becoming more active. It's warming up, at least up in the Northeast. So in the clinic, we're you know we're we're seeing a, a ramp uh, up in in injuries, uh, unfortunately. Uh, so so what that means is I would like to take the opportunity to share what we're seeing in the clinic. I have friends that work for other companies and they're also seeing, you know, they're all growing. So uh, with that being said, let, let's get into it. Some of the things that I'm seeing more in the clinic now than previously are more acute on chronic injuries and then more acute traumatic injuries. Uh, both of these involve soft tissue and or bone uh, so the first one, acute on chronic injury, what that uh, pretty much means is a chronic injury that has calmed down for a little bit of time and is now uh, a little bit more, um, uh, has been flared up. So it's been flared up for, for a number of different reasons, uh, and that's possibly for uh, more active use. So for example, a hamstring injury or a uh, lateral elbow injury. So tennis elbow is the lateral elbow. So if you stick your arm straight out in front of you and you touch uh, with your palm facing down, you touch the top of your elbow, that that muscle group right there all attaches out of bone. Uh, that's, that's a tendon where it anchors onto the bone. 
that can be flared up with use and can calm down uh, if it's not being used. So uh, if it's not being used and, and tennis was shut down for a little bit and now it's ramping back up, uh, that, that can definitely get irritated again. So we're seeing a lot more of those. So chronic injuries that have calmed down with that, with a lack of use now uses uh, increase with the warm weather and uh, less COVID restrictions and they're acting up. Uh, the other one is more acute traumatic injuries. Uh, acute traumatic injury would be an ACL tear, uh, an Achilles tear, uh, a hamstring strain that didn't have any chronic uh, history, as well as uh, mid-back pain, neck pain, all with um, more often than not, um, you know, injuries, uh, sports injuries. So so why is this happening is, is a question I get asked a lot. And the reason for it's hap- for the, why it's happening is more often than not, it's poor conditioning. Uh, our body, our, our bodies over COVID have become deconditioned to what we're asking these muscles uh, to do and what these tendons to do and, and bones and so forth. So we're ramping up activity without the appropriate ramp time. Uh, the progression of, of activity is too much uh, relative to what those bones, tendons, ligaments, uh, and muscles essentially can't uh, can handle. So uh, not playing tennis for six months and working at home uh, with poor uh, poor ergonomic setup, whether it's uh, an adult or a kid who's doing more virtual uh, learning, still can can cause an injury because you haven't played an entire match in six months. So the other part of it is uh, poor preparation. Poor preparation to me means that you're not doing your warm up. Uh, a dynamic warm-up, we have a lot of tennis players and golf players, and most of those uh, people get to their sport uh, and get right into it. Maybe they hit the range for a little bit, or maybe you do some some quick stretches on the side while you're waiting to, to take the court, but you only have so much court time, and you don't want to overcrowd, especially while COVID is still, still present. So uh, you get there, and you compete. So you're not doing your dynamic warm-up, which we've talked about in previous podcasts. Those are quick stretches. Uh, your scoops, your Frankenstein's, or t- uh, toys, t- um, toy soldiers. Uh, you have like uh, butt kickers, high knees, uh, and so forth. Your quick, your quick stretches are your dynamic stretches, and then you're doing less static stretching afterwards or on your off time. So static stretching is your traditional holding a stretch for thirty seconds, doing that three times for your hamstring, your quad, your hip flexor your groin, you know, your upper body fits for your pecs, uh, triceps, biceps, uh, et cetera, lats. Uh, the, the static stretching, the commitment to time to statically stretch is, is less because we're, I think, I feel like we're all busier, right? The processes to get work done, whether it's for kids or adults, uh, is, is greater now. At least that's what I hear. Fridays are busy is, is what I'm told all the time, and I agree with that, uh, even, even for me. So because of that, it seems like there's less time committed to something like static stretching, which is done on our own time uh, or after activity. Dynamic stretching, like I said before, should be done before activity. Uh, inadequate warm-up uh, is, is the big one. So, so with that, are you doing not only the stretching piece, but are you hitting like light tennis shots? Are you chipping? Are you putting? Are you, are you at the range? Are you... Um, are you, are you th- doing soft toss uh, and swinging the bat? Are you throwing the ball warming up? Um, so so your your actual warm-up in the specific sport is also important, not only uh, the actual stretching the muscles out. So how are you using the muscles? 
are you using those muscles in a gentle way, ramping up to actual com- competition or performance? So with that being said, let's get into some of the treatment. So treatment for this is is depending on the injury, right? So let's say it's not a ligament injury, it's a tendon injury. So let's uh, the example I used earlier was lateral elbow, could be rotator cuff, could be hamstring, could be calf, quad, et cetera. What, what needs to happen is we need to determine the severity of the injury before we render treatment. So let's say there's a strain. A strain essentially is another word for a, a, a very small tear. And, and a, the word tear scares the heck out of people, but it's, it's reality that your muscles, like a rubber band, can tear a little bit and still heal and be fine and be, and be utilized. So when you pull a muscle, you're really, you really are t- you've torn the muscle, but to what extent, right? If we're talking like 90, 95%, that's a severe tear, and it's going to take a long time for that to recover. If we're talking 5%, 10%, then that's different. And it's tough to quantify it. Uh, in terms of a percentage with a, an objective, uh, you know, an objective number like zero to 100%. However, we can, we can diagnose it through the degree of the tear. So if it's a grade one, it's less than, it's less than, I think, 50%. If it's grade two, it's somewhere between um, 50 and 75%. And, you know, grade three and four, four is a complete rupture. Uh, and grade three is a more severe tear up to 90, 95%. So, uh, within those percentages, we can grade the severity of the strain uh, or tear. So with that being said, we need to load the muscle to tolerance. So an isometric would be uh, the muscle being torn or the muscle being activated only to recruit the muscle without changing the length of the muscle. So for example, if I were to um, push my hand up into my opposite hand and do it like a bicep curl, but the hand that's moving upwards isn't moving. It's just pushing and, and, and transmitting force uh, without actually changing the length of the muscle. That's an isometric. So, so activation of muscle without moving the limb is, uh, is an isometric. Pushing my heel down into the ground is an isometric because the ground's not moving, the length of the muscle's not moving. That's always a good place to start. After that, there was a lot of research into eccentric versus concentric and so uh, initially, a few years ago, an example would be helping with a bicep curl. So you help on the way up, and then you let the arm come down nice and slow. That would be an eccentrically focused bicep curl. Helping on the way up would be assisting in the concentric phase, the shortening of the muscle. Eccentric is the lengthening of the muscle, but the muscle technically is still contracting because it's tolerating, it's controlling the pace in which the arm is moving. So with that said, that data, uh, that research is, is old school. doesn't mean it doesn't work, but what they have found now is that it's the time under load. So what that means is how long, uh, and, and the phase is irrelevant now. So how long are, is that muscle holding the load? Now you want, you do want it to go through the full range because you have to use that muscle through the full range. Right, so when you're running, your hamstring shortens and then lengthens, but then contracts again as your foot hits the ground. So it has to go through the full range of motion through its activation, just like your rotator cuff does when you throw. So it has to shorten during the loading phase, cocking phase, and as you release the ball, it has to control and lengthen all at the same time. So as a PT, I want to think about how that muscle is being used during the sport, and then how can we load it that way. 
So that's probably what's most important there. So the direction I would go with this is isometrics first at different ranges of motion, right? So what that means is if it's a hamstring strain, I want to do it where the hamstring is shortened. So my knee's bent and I'm pushing my heel down out like behind me, like pushing into a ball behind my heel into the, into the, the couch in this example. And then I want to slowly straighten out my knee and I can add tension that way by pushing my heel down into the ground through different ranges of motion. So isometrics through different ranges of motion and then how long you hold that, how many reps you do, how many sets you do, all of that needs to be tracked and progressed over time. From there, that could be a week, two weeks, three weeks. It's auto tolerance. I always go by the two-point rule. If you experience more than two points increase from zero to 10 in pain, then we're backing off. All right, we're not going to, we don't have to necessarily shut it down, but we need to rest, recover, and we're not to go more than two points up. So if you walk in with a two out of 10 pain uh, and you perform an isometric and it goes to a three, you're okay. Let's make sure you're recovered. Let's get you back down to a two. But if the next set is a four, that exercise is not appropriate. You've gone up two points now. So, so that's the key there. So once that's become tolerated, and usually that depending on the degree of a strain, let's say like a grade one, like that's good at for like a week, if that. Maybe you can progress even quicker. The other thing is if you can, if you can bear weight through, through that limb, even better. So single leg balance. Uh, single leg balance requires co-contraction, we call it. Meaning when I'm standing on one leg, both my quads and my hamstrings, which work in opposite directions, right, uh, are both working together. That's functional. Like, we have to work that way. Uh, those muscles have to work that way. So we can do everything we want in open chain, which is when our foot is not on the ground. Uh, and that's great because we're using the muscles, but not in the same way as when they're used when we compete, right? If you're playing tennis, golf, baseball, basketball, whatever it may be. So I think that's also relevant. Um, so be, after the isometrics, now we have to progress to the concentric and eccentric phase. So with that, you are going through the range of motion at, with low resistance, and you're controlling the pace. So if you do it too quickly uh, and you do lots of sets and reps, maybe that may counterbalance. But if you do it really slowly and you do less sets and reps, in the end, the load technically is the same. So my recommendation is control it at a normal rate because when you function, when you compete, when you do an activity you enjoy doing, it's typically performed quickly. You want to work your way towards that. So so my, my recommendation would be to do an exercise. So we're talking hamstrings here. So a hamstring exercise would be a bicep curl, or I'm sorry, a hamstring, hamstring curl. So standing at the end of the table or at the end of, you know, standing up tall against the wall, you bring your heel towards your butt, for example. Uh, not my favorite exercise to do, but it's something that we have to, we have to check that box. So as you bend the knee up or you bend the heel up towards your rear end, that's shortening the muscle. It's a concentric phase. And as you slowly release it down to the ground, that would then be the eccentric phase. Um, so, so from, from that point, uh, what, what I typically would recommend then is something like a, uh, bridge, uh, where you're, you're shortening the muscle, uh, and lengthening the muscle on a range of motion. So if you can use the ball, uh, like a plyo ball or a stability ball, where you're putting your feet up on, on the, 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 the plyo ball, you do a bridge, 
you're activating the muscles. And then on the way down, you're also activating the muscles, controlling the pace. Then you can add in the component where your heel is then bringing the ball towards your rear end. You're shortening the muscle in that case. So throughout that phase, you're using, you're using your muscles again, not functional. I'm lying on my back, you know, for most sports at least. So then you have your RDLs uh, or, or a forward T. Some would call it an RDL is a Romanian deadlift. That's uh, an activity where you're on two legs, you're hinging forward, you're reaching out in front of you or downward, but you're keeping your, your lumbar spine, thoracic spine stable. That's how you're going to recruit as you lower, you're eccentrically loading the hamstrings. As you come back up, you're concentrically loading the hamstrings, controlling that pace, and you can add resistance accordingly with that. Um, so again, some start light, a couple pounds. Uh, eventually, you can work your way up to, to, to more resistance. But again, the, the key is controlling, controlling the rate and then uh, con- controlling the pace and the duration of load. Eventually, you want to get back to sports-specific activities. So depending on the degree of strain, again, uh, you can, you're doing agilities, uh, agility ladders. Uh, you're doing single-leg jumps. You're doing hops. You're doing uh, lateral movement, tri- uh, d- diagonal movement, um, one leg, two leg. Um, all of these are different progressions you can use onto an elevated surface, like a box from an elevated surface to a lower surface, um, from a box down to the ground and, and, and receiving the load that way are all different ways of loading soft tissue to help them get, to help you get ready to return to sport running, uh, obviously, and, and change of direction, plyometrics, all of these are different. There's different progressions in all of these. And the sooner we can get to that, the better the closer we are to, to competition. But in the end, we have, to, we have to learn and understand the progressions, all right? So me jumping from the ground and landing on the same surface uh, is not step number one. I would say that step number one is standing on, on a 45-pound on a plate and landing uh, on a lower surface than a 45-pound plate or from three inches or four inches and landing on the ground is actually what would come first prior to jumping up and jumping down because the total distance height traveled is greater than just going from a higher surface to a lower surface. Um, And then same thing going the other way, jumping onto a box and landing on the box is different than jumping from a box or jump, jumping off the ground and landing on the ground. So, so what I would say is, is that we have to know our progressions and, and PTs are trained to do this strength, strength conditioning coaches are more and more, I speak to, uh, they're also uh, well aware of, of these progressions. Um, but that, that's the key. That's the key in terms of treatment is, is, a, is a progression of loading uh, through the tissue and understanding what, what mechanical deficiencies have resulted in that injury to begin with. Why is the hamstring injured? Right? We can isolate the hamstring all day, but why is it injured? Um, is, is also another, another important question I, I, I would ask. So is something going on at the foot? Is something going on at the knee? Is something going on at the hip? Uh, depending on the sport, if it's an upper body sport like tennis, uh, where you're using your upper body a lot, uh, where's the rotation coming from, uh, you know, et cetera. So a deeper dive into um, the, the joint above and below the injured site. So what I mean by that is if it's a hamstring strain, I'm looking at the low back, I'm obviously looking at the hip, I'm obviously looking at the knee, uh, and I would also look at the ankle, right? If it's a shoulder, I'm looking at the thoracic spine. I'm looking at the wrist. I'm looking at the elbow. Uh, you know, if it's a shoulder injury and I'm 
throwing a baseball? How are you gripping the baseball? I mean, all of that is relevant. So we can't, as, as medical professionals, uh, and even strength and conditioning um, specialists, we, we can't just address the area with the deficiency. Um, and we can't speed up the, the progression to the actual functional movement. It has to be, we got to do all the pieces there. So um, with that being said, I, what can we do to prevent it? So we got into uh, acknowledging what the problem is, uh, potential causes of those problems, and then treatment of those problems. How can we, prevent isn't the right word, but how can we mitigate the risk? And mitigating the risk is, is you go back to the causes, right? So the stretching, are we doing more static stretching? Are we doing dynamic stretching? I think another big one with this is, are we doing the right screenings? As medical professionals and strength conditioning specialists, we are able to get trained in how to do appropriate movement screenings. As coaches of, of a Little League baseball team, uh, or, uh, you know, football is coming back now. We have all these other sports, lacrosse, um, coming back now. Are we getting in touch with the right professionals that can help us mitigate injury? Or can we identify a, an injury before it can happen? Um, I would argue in most cases we actually can help, uh, th- depending on, on uh, you know, the, the specific specialist or the athlete. So, for example, um, we saw this last year with the basketball team that we screened. Uh, this one young man had uh, a hip injury at the time, and this doesn't have to be the case, but he had a hip injury at the time. He would do single-leg jumps in the air as one of our tests, and uh, that's when you jump up on one leg, you hit the ground, and you spring right back up as high as you can. You can use your upper body if you'd like as well with it, and you do that five times on each leg, and we found that on the affected side, his knee was going in significantly. There's some research that supports a greater than 26 degree angle inward relative from the ankle to the hip would indicate an increased risk for an ACL tear. Uh, and this individual, we saw that positive test and, uh, and confirmed that there's, he's at a higher risk for an ACL injury. And what he had suffered at the time was a, a hip injury that wasn't preventing him from competing. It was just something I think he was going to PT at the time, but, or maybe he had just finished, but nonetheless, we offered exercises not only for the hip, but for the knee. Uh, and, and and we use the ankle to, to help with some of that. So um, identifying those injuries or the risk for those injuries beforehand is hugely important. So use your resources. If you coach a team, uh, you know, reach out to your local PT company, you know, reach out to a physician that you know or a sports med doc and ask if there's a movement screening that you know someone can provide that will help uh, identify potential injuries. I know it's something that we offer. We invite teams to come in. We've done it for baseball teams. We've done it for basketball teams. Um, we're, you know, we're talking kids that are growing, kids that are sitting in front of a, a computer uh, more often than they'd like. School is, is happening in person now, but it's still virtual or at least partially virtual for a lot of kids. So uh, with that being said, or there's, let's be honest, they're getting less steps in a day, uh, even if they're in school. Maybe they're in the same classroom the whole time. So there's definitely accommodations being made that are limiting mobility. Uh, so maybe it's not recess anymore. There's no recess anymore. Or maybe it's only recess with 10 kids and they don't have as much space to run around during recess. So all of these things have limited activity level. Uh, and even for adults, same thing goes. You're still sitting in front of your computer screen, maybe more. Maybe there's more Zoom calls. I'm pretty sure that's probably uh, widely accepted that there are more Zoom calls now than ever instead of in-meeting, uh, you know, in 
in-person meetings happening. Therefore, you're not walking to the conference room. You're sitting in front of your computer. So, and the ergonomic setups at home are much different than ergonomic setups at work. So all of these things have to be accounted for. And therefore, you have to be your own advocate, right? So be your own advocate, contact a medical professional and find out how we can, uh, how you can get the help that you need to make sure that these aren't, these things aren't happening. We can't ignore it. You know, we're getting a ton of ACL tears lately. We're getting a lot of low back, mid back injuries. Uh, these, these acute traumatic injuries are most concerning because they're putting athletes out for an extended period of time, like six to eight to 10 months uh, after going through COVID and missing their sport of choice. Um, so that, you know, from my perspective, it's, it's kind of sad uh, to, to see that some of these athletes have waited all this time to compete and now they can compete and they, they think nothing's changed with them physically. So they go out and compete and they get hurt. So uh, I, I want to minimize that risk as much as possible and, and let's get the right people out. Like, let's, let's help find, contact us <laughs> and we can put you in the right direction. I, I'm more than happy to help you guys out with this. Um, but this to me is like its own little mini pandemic, <laughs> uh, in addition to obviously what we have, what we're experiencing globally. So, uh, that's everything I got. This has been a lot of fun sharing this with you guys. Uh, this is our, uh, our, 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 uh, what do we call it? Our solo cast. So, um, uh, this is exciting to me to offer this information if you have any questions, uh, I'm going to send some articles over to uh, Shelly and her team to make sure this gets out to you guys, Just uh, especially for something like that. I know there's a lot of PTs that listen, listen to this and strength conditioning coaches, um, student PTs. I want to make sure you guys have access to the data behind it. So uh, thank you guys again for listening. Please subscribe, continue to leave reviews, and uh, I do it for you guys. So this has been really cool. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the on Cue Performance Therapy Podcast. If you like this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It would mean so much to me if you could leave us a five-star review so more listeners like you could get this important information. See you next time.